I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter. And this course will conclude this book um, next week, uh, Lord willing. Well, not next week, we, uh, but probably the week after. I'm going to start a series of what's wrong with uh, kind of thing. Trying to answer some things from the scriptures um, that are um, popular in our culture that the Bible um, condemns. But anyway, James chapter 5, verse 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not in the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. I've titled this, and this may sound strange, but I've titled this Responding Properly in Emotional Times. Responding Properly in Emotional Times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. I pray that as we look into the Word of God, that we be, that we would quiet our hearts before you and allow the Spirit of God, who is the author of this book, to teach us, to instruct us, to have His will and His way in our lives. That we might be submitted to Him, that we might be conformed to the image of Your dear Son, who loved us and gave Himself for us. So, Lord, just help me, give wisdom in handling the Word of God. And give ears to hear and hearts to obey. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, so often, you know, the preceding verse that we looked at, uh, the, this, this book really has been talking about the trials of your faith. And, um, and of course, he starts out in James chapter 1. They counted all joy when they followed in divers temptation or divers trials. Different word divers means different. Trials, tests, catastrophes, all those things would come to the trial. Afflictions, maybe bodily afflictions, mental afflictions, all these things that, that come in their life. He says, We're to count all joy. Knowing that the trial of your faith worketh faith. Trial of your did I read that right? The trying of your faith worketh patience. I'm sorry. If you let patience have her perfect work, then you may be perfect and tired, wanting nothing. See, the, the trials can grow us if we don't become angry or bitter, or as verse 12 here in James 5 says, swear about it or react wrongly. And as we think about James chapter 5, and, you know, he just talked about not swearing. You know, the people often swear when they're emotionally distraught. 
or they're emotionally high. They're on a mountaintop, and they'll use some kind of explanation to, you know, to, to say it. And you know, it's, it's, he says, "Is any among you afflicted? In other words, don't swear, but pray. Don't curse, but pray. Is any among you merry? Let them sing psalms. You know, in times of affliction, in times of Mary, and we might say it this way, prayer and praising should be in place, not complaining. Not being clamorous or angry or, 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 or uh, saying things that we will regret later. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Peter says, uh, Humble yourselves, in this, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. you know, again, casting our care or praying uh, to the Lord in times of need. In Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17, and then verse 22, Psalm 55, verse 16, and 17, the psalmist said, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and noon will I pray, and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And you know, in times when we're merry, we should praise the Lord. Uh, Make a joyful noise on the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, Psalm 100 says. Now, this kind of fits what Paul and Silas did when they were in prison at Philippi. They sang and prayed. They were afflicted. But you know what? They were also rejoicing in that they knew the Lord. And that they knew that they were in God's will and that God had a purpose and plan for what they were going through at that time. And that's the secret to having our trials benefit us is knowing that God is in control. And we can trust Him. We can depend upon Him to carry us through those difficult times. And so we ought to be praying and praising That's an evidence of maturity. And I have to confess to you that sometimes mm, it doesn't always happen in my life. And so we need to be praying and praising. In verse 14 he says, Is any among you, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer of Faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and he shall have committed sins. They shall be forgiven him. You know, we need to exercise, when we think about prayer and praising, we need to exercise faith for effective prayer. Uh, in verses 14 and 15, he talks about, uh, if you're sick, to call for the elders of the church. This is, this is of course, you know, exercising our faith. The sick are to exercise faith in asking for the elders of the church and come and pray over them. 
know, this is this is often true in the Bible, where uh, the Lord even looked for some evidence of faith in Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty-one. The or the uh, lady who had a, the woman who had an issue of blood for twelve years, and could got could not get near to him. She followed him. And this is what she said in verse 21. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. If I could just touch his garment, I shall be whole. In verse 21, I'm sorry, chapter 21, verse 22. Chapter 20, 21, verse 22. Again, it says, in all, Jesus said, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. See, we need to ask in faith. In Mark chapter 5, or chapter 6, verse 56, Mark 6 and verse 56, <clears throat> uh, Mark six fifty-six says, And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that he might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. And what we see here is those who were sick exercising faith and seeking the healing that Jesus gave. And, of course, James chapter 1 tells us that we are to, if we're going to ask, James 1 verse 5, if any man lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and operateth not, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that waveth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So we are to ask in faith. Faith in the word of God. Believing the word of God. We are to ask in faith in, in the Lord's method of healing. He says in verse 14, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, there's often a question about whose faith. Well, you know, it does take faith for somebody to ask. You don't ask somebody if you don't, have, you don't believe they're going to do it or can do it. You know, if I want something done, I'm going to ask somebody that I know can do it. That I believe. You see, God wants us to ask. Let him call. It says, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, this isn't some faith healing ministry of Benny Hinn or somebody like that or so on and so forth. He says, no, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, of course, that word elder in the Bible is used interchangeably with bishop, uh, overseer, pastor, or um, what's the other one? Bishop, overseer, uh, elder, yeah, and pastor. It refers to the same person or persons. So let them call for the elders of the church, would be the church leadership, and let them pray over him. And But we are to ask in faith. And so often we don't ask because we lack faith in God. We don't ask God. Or, we're too proud to ask. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Matthew 7, 
verses 7 through 11. And here the Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. For what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? You see, Jesus is telling us, look, look, if you ask, it'll be given. If you seek, you'll find it. Do you know what that tells me? If you don't ask, you won't receive. And if you don't seek it, you won't find it. You know, if you lose your car keys, if you don't go looking for them, you're not going to find them. That's not rocket science, is it? No. And if we don't seek the help of God, we're not going to get it. We're not going to get it. And God is, you know, we're not, we wouldn't be hesitant to ask our parents for our need. You know, as much as I didn't like asking my dad for things, if I needed, uh, if I needed tennis shoes for gym class at school, I would ask dad because there was no other way I was going to get it. Unless some poor student in the school felt bad for me about the kind of tennis shoes I had, and one of them did one time and gave me his. They were really nice, but... Even today, I wouldn't spend the money he spent on his. But anyhow, that's a one of our story. But you see, I'd go ask Dad, and Dad would buy him. And if I would ask Dad, why wouldn't I ask God? That's what he's saying here. See, we need to have faith and believing that God will give us what we need. That's what Jeremiah 33.3 says. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And so the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But if we don't call, we can't expect God to do great things for us if we do not call or ask. Was it, I think it was, uh, um, mine's going blank tonight, missionary to India, William Carey, said, Ask great things of God. Expect great things from God. You're the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. In 2 Kings chapter 4, remember the Shunammite woman who was with a place where Elisha and his servants would come and rest and, and she made she and her husband made him a little chamber and put a table in it and and of course Elisha in the process of time they asked his servant Gehazi what can be done for her and he said well she doesn't have a child and so the Lord gave her a child and the child became sick and died and she goes to Elisha and Elisha in, in 2 Kings 4 and verse 30 it says and the mother of the child said, well, let's go back to verse 27. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But 
Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Verse 30. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. In other words, I'm not letting go of beseeching you until you do something on my behalf. You know, we need to be like Jacob, who when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, by the way, that's a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrestled with him till the break of day, and he said this, and the, the angel of the Lord said, let me go. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Except thou bless me. You see, we need to, we need to have faith. Go to, go to Isaiah chapter 30. This is interesting verse there in Isaiah 30 that I often think about. In Isaiah 30, the prophet Isaiah had preached against his people for going to make alliances with Egypt against Sennacherib and turning to Egypt and not turning to God. In verse 15, he says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall be you saved. In other words, Return to me, and coming back to me is where you'll be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. In other words, they wouldn't come to God. They went to Egypt for help. But ye said, No, for we will flee upon horses, therefore shall ye flee. And we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall ye flee. In other words, you're going to be filled with fear. Why? Because you're not trusting in the Lord, you're trusting in Egypt. Till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain and an ensign on a hill. And notice verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. Therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of, what's that next word? Thy cry. Thy cry. When he shall hear it, that is when God shall hear it, he will answer thee. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. God await. Gotta wait for you to ask. See, we need to ask. We have faith to ask God. The people of God. Where's help? You know, this was a common thing in the Old Testament times. They asked God, they asked the people of God for help. David sought his counselors. Continually, he sought his counselors for help, for instruction. He would go to his counselors. He'd go to Jehoshaphat would go to the man of God and say, what shall we do? And so, we need a faith. 
in seeking the will of God in our times of affliction. Secondly, there needs to be confession. Verse 15 and 16, again, it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise them up, and he, if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Let, let me just mention before I go on here, the oil is just symbolic. It has no healing properties. It's the prayer of faith that will save the sick, of the faith of the sick and the elders of the church. And so it's an act of faith here that James is talking about, and, and really that fits the whole book. But he says in verse 16 then, in verse 15, The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So there be effective of praying. There has to be confession. There has to be confession. First John 1, 9 tells us, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, of course, Psalm 6618 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, in other words, I hold on to some sin or keep it or, or guard it in my life and don't want to give it up, God's not going to hear me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If there's some sin that I'm guarding in my life, I'm keeping, I think I deserve it, and I'm not going to let God have this part of my life, God will not hear me. Prophet Isaiah again in Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, said to the children of Israel, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. So there needs to be confession of sin. There also needs to be a resolving of conflicts. When he says confess your faults one to another, he's talking about resolving our conflicts amongst each other. There ought not be conflicts amongst God's people in the body of Christ. Offenses. You know, this is brought out, James addresses this a lot in, 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 in the book here. For, for example, chapter 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings where? Among you. So there were conflicts in among the church. He says, Come in on hence of your own lusts that war in your members. Chapter 5, he talks about the rich oppressing the poor. Chapter 2, he talks about the rich taking precedence over the poor. And, you know, and so he said, we, we need to resolve our conflicts. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, the Lord said, If you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Yeah, there were, there were conflicts at Corinth. You know, a lot of conflicts in churches are personality conflicts. Personality conflicts. In fact, a lot of people leave churches over personality conflicts instead of doctrine. You know, there was, the, there was at Corinth the rich versus the poor. The educated versus the illiterate. And Paul said, you know, you ought to Esteem them that are poor as judges in the church. So there needs to be a confession of sin. Thirdly, there needs to be fervency in our prayer. Notice verse 16. Verse 16 again says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual 
Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervency. That word fervency is energo, where we get our word energy. There ought to be energy in our prayers. This, this, the idea here is that it ought to be operative. It ought to be to affect or to show oneself operative. It ought to be a prayer with energy. You know, when Moses prayed for the children of Israel, remember he said, he said to forgive their sin. And then there's a blank in the Bible. In the King James Bible, there's a blank. A hyphen, you might say. And if not, blot my name out of the book. Would you say there was some fervency there? There was some energy that Moses put in his prayer for his people. Daniel put energy into his prayer. The Bible tells us that he fasted for 21 days and mourned. Did not anoint himself. That's energy. That's fervency. Fervency. Hannah, 1 Samuel 1, verses 10 and 11, tells us she poured out her soul into God. Poured it out in such a way that Eli thought she was drunk. See, that's fervency. Hezekiah and 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2 Kings 19. Verses 15 through 19. Said, When it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Now I'm told that sackcloth was like a very prickly irritating cloth. And it was a symbol of they were afflicting themselves to get God's attention. In other words, they were willing to endure an affliction to show God they were serious about this need. He sent Eliakim, which is over the household and Shebna the scribe and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, son of Amos, they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke, and blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, there is not strength that bring thee forth. Maybe the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria his master has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear, he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. You know, God hears 
prayers of fervency. You know, the king of Nineveh in Nineveh chapter 3, or, or Jonah chapter 3, proclaimed a fast of man and beasts. They didn't feed their animals. You know, I could imagine being a dairy farmer and having 60 head of cows, milking cows, and 60, about 60 head of young cattle and not feeding them for two days, what that's going to be like. There'd be cows bawling and bawling and bawling, and, you know, it'd be a mournful, terrible place to be around. There was fervency, energy to their prayers. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Fourthly, there needs to be righteous living. Notice it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, what is righteous living? You know, sometimes we have this idea that Elijah's up here, and we're all down here somewhere, you know. I mean, of course God will hear Elijah, but me? You know, I'm just Ryan. I'm just Mandy. I'm just, you know, Brother Will. There's Elijah. What is righteous living? Is it living without sin? Did Elijah live without sin? The answer is no. He did not. You know, the Bible tells us in Genesis 7, 1, that God saw Noah as righteous in the earth. Do you know what Noah did after he got off the ark? He planted a vineyard and got drunk. That's what he did. See, sometimes we have this idea that, you know, righteous people, there are certain people that God hears and then, then there's us. No, if we're a child of God, we all have equal access to the throne of God. Now, again, we can't come to God with known sin in our life and expect Him to hear us. But as God's children, you see, living by faith is confessing our sin and endeavoring to forsake it. It's not living a sinless life. That's not reality. Like, you know, 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins. In other words, God takes for granted that there's sin in your life. He doesn't say, so if you do sin. No, he says, if we confess our sin. That tells me I have sin. So we need to admit our sins, and then we ought to know what we know what we can do with our sins. We can confess it. And of course, you know, righteous living is we are growing. We are we are endeavoring to live pleasing the Lord. We're confessing the sin that we know of in our life, and we are endeavoring to walk with him and asking then according to his will. You know, Elijah's prayer was in accordance with the will of God. Now that sounds amazing because what he prayed was it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. Now would you pray that on somebody? 
You see, Elijah was concerned about God's glory, and the reason he prayed that was was because Israel was going away from God, and they needed to be chastened by God to be brought back to God, and so Elijah prays that it did not rain. Why? So those people would realize their sin and turn back to God. You know, sometimes the best prayer you can pray for somebody is, Lord, chasten them. Chasten them. Do whatever you have to do to get their attention. Because as we'll see, for a person to turn from the error of their way is to hide them or protect them from a multitude of sin. You see, Elijah prayed according to God's will. And righteous living is living by faith, acknowledging our sin, confessing it to God, and then praying according to His will and, and, and living it. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Samuel prayed according to God's will, and he prayed for rain to come and destroy the wheat harvest as judgment upon the children of Israel for asking a king. So they would know that their sin was wicked against God. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded who we really are. But we need, we need the prayers of a righteous man. Men and women, as like we said this morning, who are devoted, not perfect, but devoted to God. For if we notice a, a, a fifth thing here that it is that, and this goes along with this, that effective praying is for the common man. If you notice in verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not in the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So effective prayer is for the common man, the common child of God. It's for everyone that knows the Lord. I mean, he was of like passions like as we are. You know, here he comes on the scene, this mighty Elijah, and he says it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And, 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 you know, at the end of that, he has this contest with with the followers of Baal, the prophets of Baal, and he's, he kills 450 of them, and the rain falls from heaven. And, and, and you know, and the next day, Jezebel says, I'm going to have your head. You're going to be like one of those prophets of mine tomorrow. And all of a sudden, that mighty prophet of God is scared. He's scared. And he runs for his life. You know what else he has? He has himself a lonely pity party. Did you ever have one of those? Join the club. So did Elijah. This mighty prophet of God has himself. I'm, I'm the only one left. And they want to take away my head. Yeah, God didn't 
quickly correct him. He just said, okay, well, you, uh, you go down to Damascus and you anoint Hazael king of Syria. And then you go over and do this. And then you go anoint Elisha as prophet in your place. And then he said this. Just to remind you, Elijah, I have 7,000 in Israel that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You know what? He was just like us. Do you ever feel like we're just so insignificant? I'm just a nobody. I mean, does God even listen to me? That's what he was saying. See, he was a man just like you and I are. David, all we think of King David, but David was just a shepherd boy, ruddy in appearance. But he had a heart after God. You see, Effective praying is for the common person. Effective prayer is also for the converting of a brother. Notice verse 19 and 20. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, there's some question here, some about whether this is talking about an unsaved person, but I think it's very evident it's talking about a saved person. He says, brethren, if any of you do err from the faith, from the truth, and one convert him, and that means the word convert here means to bring back, to turn around to bring back, to correct. And so and he says, you know, so, uh, you know, with, with, with a prayer here, you know, prayer... Uh, has the power, and of course a witness along with it, to convert or turn around an erring brother. And we can save a soul from death. Brother Hull mentioned Sunday school last morning, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That is not written to unsaved people. If a child of God persists in their sin, there is a sin unto death. Samson's sin was unto death. Cost him his life. Cost him his eyes and it cost him his life. He presumed on God and it cost him his life. You know, you can you, you may be saved but you can presume on the mercy and grace of God to the point where God says, okay, and he'll shorten your life. But he says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner. You know, prayer has a, has a power to affect a person to bring them from the error of their way. 
And he will hide from multitude. The word hide here means to pardon them or to hinder the knowledge of. You know, it will protect a person from knowing the depths of sin and misery and despair. Think about the many people, Christians, that are in error today. Who have been led into error by many of the denominational teachings. You know, I believe that Martin Luther was a saved man. Martin Luther has led multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people into error with his teachings. If you don't believe me, Google Martin Luther and the Jews. As far as he was concerned, they were swines and pigs. He also persecuted the Baptists. You see, we can save a person from a multitude of sins through our prayers. Your prayer, somebody says prayer moves the hands of God. And we need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. So if you're afflicted, you're discouraged, or you're merry, sing or pray. Praise or pray. Pray. Ask God. Ask God. You know, God will wait for you and I to call. Is he waiting on you? Let's pray.